0: As of the end of 2019, Amazon's entire delivery fleet was 30,000 vehicles. And by 2030, they expect to have 100,000 of these Rivian vans in their fleet. So not only are they decarbonizing that fleet, they're making it much much larger. And you know, when you when you look at the use case, the way these vans are being u- utilized, um, it actually makes a lot of sense to go electric. Um, you know, these, Welcome to another episode
1: of Energy Case Talks, that the that podcast where we discuss global awesome. energy issues and trends with experts from around the world. My guest today is Sam Abelsameed, the EV analyst for Guidehouse Research based in Detroit. Welcome to Energy Talks, Sam. Hey, Mark. I'm
0: good to be with you again.
1: We're going to be talking about the October eighth announcement by Amazon that it's going to have ten thousand electric delivery vans on the road by twenty twenty two. This is part of a bigger promise to have a hundred thousand of these vans on the road by twenty thirty, and Amazon wants to be net zero emissions by twenty forty. But the line that really caught my attention in the blog post that Amazon uh, did was that Amazon sees these vans as the future of last mile delivery. And when I talk to uh, other transportation experts, you know, in transit and so on, they often say that first mile and last mile are the really difficult technical challenges. And I so I found it very interesting that Amazon wants to tackle, uh, or let me rephrase that, is come as devise this model of last mile delivery. and it has some wrinkles to it. I mean, they're using uh, e-cargo bikes in New York City and, and over in some of the European cities. And it seems to me that Amazon is building this electric transportation network that'll be flexible, and it'll have all sorts of different pieces to it that they can mix and match uh, to bring, you know, efficiency and low cost to their delivery. Have, have I got it right?
0: Yeah. You know, it's been interesting to watch Amazon over the last uh, six or seven years in particular uh, on the transportation from a transportation perspective because, you know, when they started off, you know, they relied heavily on third-party providers for deliveries, companies like uh, UPS and FedEx and DHL and so on and and the Postal Service. And they've gradually been bringing more and more of that in-house, taking more control over the whole logistics process all the way to, to the customer. And so that's involved, you know, building up a fleet of freighter aircraft uh but also building out a fleet of delivery vans and, and other delivery vehicles uh and then now transitioning that fleet that existing fleet over to electric, trying to decarbonize the whole process. And, you know, that includes everything, as you mentioned, you know, from delivery bikes, uh, cargo bikes, to these vans that they're getting from uh, Rivian. Plus, they also, uh, in August of this year, placed a separate order in Europe with Mercedes-Benz for a couple of thousand uh, electric vans from Mercedes-Benz to use in their European operations. And, uh, you know, what? what's interesting about this, um, you know, Amazon has ordered uh, 100,000 delivery vans from Rivian and they've made uh, an investment a total investment now I think of close to one and a half billion dollars uh, over a couple of different rounds in Rivian uh, and for comparison as of the end of 2019 Amazon's entire delivery fleet was 30,000 vehicles and by 2030, they expect to have 100,000 of these Rivian vans in their fleet. So not only are they decarbonizing that fleet, they're making it much, much larger. And you know, when you when you look at the use case, the way these vans are being u- utilized, um, it actually makes a lot of sense to go electric. Um, you know, these this is actually a use case that that works really well for electrification. Um, because of, you know several factors, the the amount of miles that they drive daily and annually uh, for these types of vans, and you know the these delivery vans you know are typically staying you know somewhere within 30 to 40 miles of their home base, you know, and they return to base every night, uh, so they're always coming back to a known location. They're you know unlike uh, a consumer. Uh, vehicle, you know, an individually owned vehicle that could be literally going anywhere. These tend to stay within a limited geographic area, which actually makes it easier in a lot of ways to to manage, you know, uh, handling an electric fleet like that because you don't have to worry quite as much about range and range anxiety. You know, it's much more predictable, is, is the, the thing. And so coming back to base, you know, they can be managed much more easily. And, and I think it can work out really well.
1: One of the points that Amazon made was that it has a very sophisticated logistics system, and these vans are going to be custom designed to work with that logistics system. What kind of efficiencies, uh, what kind of benefits will that provide to Amazon?
0: Well, one of the, um, the the top things, you know, is like other delivery companies, you know, Amazon has adopted uh, things like uh, the the routing for, you know, eco routing for their delivery vehicles. So, um, you know, they will sequence the deliveries in such a way that uh, you have the minimum number of deadhead miles, you know, so that your final deliveries are closest back to your endpoint, your your depot. But also along the way, things like avoiding uh, left-hand turns. You know, this is something that UPS pioneered back in, in the late 2000s, you know, doing doing predominantly all right-hand turns uh, so that you're spending less time per day, you know, when you think about it over the course of a day, the number of turns that, that these vehicles make, that actually saves a lot of fuel, and it's also better for safe from a safety perspective. So things like eco-routing are a big part of that. Uh, understanding, you know, where um, where the pickup or where the drop-off points are going to be, you know, uh, along the way, and uh, managing all of that, you know, and there's a lot of optimization that can be done in there. And with the experience that Amazon's gained, they can put that to work to get the most out of every kilowatt hour of energy they put into the batteries in these vans.
1: Um, my uh, wife is a loves Amazon, and uh, we use it frequently, and have, and particularly since the pandemic kicked in, because. Nobody wants to go shopping down at the mall these days. And one of the things that we've noticed is that, you know, a lot of of times we get one box from an Amazon delivery and then we'll get another box later in the day and maybe even a third box later in the day. And it it seems like that's a very inefficient system, but I suspect from what you're telling me that actually Amazon is pretty good at, at maximizing efficiencies and, That's one of the things that struck me when I looked at the long list of safety and other uh, technologies that are designed into these vans. These are pretty high-tech vans.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, they're they're equipping them with a full suite of driver assistance systems, uh, you know, to help uh, minimize the, the potential for crashes. Um, but, you know, you mentioned, you know, sometimes getting multiple deliveries over the course of a day when you've, you've ordered multiple items, but they don't all show up at the same time. Part of that is, um, you know, they're not necessarily all coming from the same uh, origin point. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, depending on where you live, there may be multiple, uh, Amazon distribution centers or warehouses, um, within, you know, within reach of your destination. And so they may be coming from different places. And so rather than, uh, shipping them from one warehouse to another and consolidating those, you know, they'll just ship them directly from the, the nearest distribution point. And, you know, each one of those individual vehicles, Will be packed up, you know, to you know, optimum number of packages it can carry uh, over the course of one trip, and you know, optimize the, the routes for those to minimize energy use.
1: Um, I'm not familiar with Rivian, but you and I have uh, I've talked a number of times about other companies, and, and GM and their Ultium platform uh, particularly comes to mind, and I remember you saying that once you've got a common platform that can be used for all sorts of vehicle configurations that that really leads to efficiencies and lower costs and and all sorts of benefits and I wonder is that what we're looking at with Rivian and is that why Amazon uh, one of the reasons why Amazon would invest in it is because there's a common platform that then, then can be figured to whatever they might need say and you know what they might need in an LA might be different than what they need in Seattle and so you can efficiently build these more customizable vans, am, am I on the right track?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things, the interesting trends, you know, as we look at modern electric vehicles, purpose-built electric vehicles, is in a way we've almost kind of taken a step back in terms of vehicle architecture. It used to be that vehicles were always body on frame. You'd have some sort of metal ladder frame, uh, you'd mount an engine in there and, you know, drivetrain, attach the suspension and then put the body on top of that. And then we went to unibody designs where the whole body you know, and structure is one piece and you install the engine and pieces in that. Now with EVs, we're starting, we're kind of going back to that body on frame, you know, with this, the skateboard concept that most modern EVs have because the battery is such a large portion of the vehicle that makes up the bulk of the, the structure in the middle of the vehicle. And then you attach the motors and the suspension at each end of that the beauty of uh, electrification with bat- both with batteries and with the motors is it's actually you know much easier to scale that to different sizes for different use cases you know with the batteries you know you you can make a longer battery or a, or a smaller battery with different numbers of modules in it depending on the size of the vehicle and the application that you want to use for it so you can shorten it make it longer uh, make it wider to, you know stack them on top of each other like GM's doing with Ultium. Uh, and then similarly with the motors you can have one motor or two motors uh, the motors themselves are relatively easy to scale you just change the length of the motor you know if you need uh, for a larger vehicle it needs more power and torque you can just make the motor a little bit longer so that all feeds into um, you know having a basic common design core design that that scales up and down and then can be used for a wide range of applications. So I think, you know, previously we talked about, I think we talked about uh, Amazon's acquisition of Zooks and, you know, Zoox was developing their own autonomous robo-taxi. And I think what we're ultimately going to see happen probably is rather than, um, you know, take, you know, what Zooks was developing as a purpose-built vehicle is they'll probably adapt a lot of uh, Rivian's hardware to that type of vehicle and, you know, to make that that smaller size of vehicle relative to the, the delivery vans. And so, um, yeah, it, it does, uh, you know, once you've developed the core components, the cells, the modules and the motors and the electronics, you can apply it to a lot of different use cases.
1: And I guess this begs the question, once Amazon starts down this road, and you mentioned Zeus and uh, and autonomous uh, uh, vehicles, will we see at some point in the future uh, autonomous electric vans?
0: I think that's a distinct possibility. Uh, I think, you know, what may be more likely, you know, kind of maybe what the first stage will be, uh, cause Amazon's got a couple of different autonomous programs going on. In addition to their acquisition of Zooks, they also are an investor in Aurora, another company that's run by uh, Chris Ermson uh, and Sterling Anderson, uh, you know, and Aurora is now focusing more on long-haul trucking. So I think what we'll see is is a mix of using Zeux's technology, perhaps for uh, smaller local urban delivery vehicles. You know, basically putting an Amazon locker on wheels and and using that for contactless deliveries. Um, the the Aurora technology on the long-haul trucks, the middle mile stuff, to get from uh, manufacturers to Amazon distribution centers and between distribution centers, and then uh, maybe. Longer term, uh, getting into putting some of the automation technology from one or both of those uh, companies uh, into these uh, larger delivery vans that uh, that they're getting from Rivian, and perhaps even combining that with um, some of the drone technology that Amazon's been working on. You know, think about you know one of these delivery vans, an electric delivery van, where instead of a driver, uh, uh, you know, sitting up front you have somebody sitting in the back and you have say 10 drones sitting on top of the, on the roof of this thing. Uh, and the, the van drives itself into a neighborhood. And while it's going from one point to another, the person, the person in the back is loading up 10 drones, van comes to a stop, the drones disperse, drop off 10 packages at 10 people's doorsteps, uh, and then return. And then, the person in the back is loading them up for the next delivery while it's driving on to the next destination, next neighborhood.
1: That is, I'm not sure if that's a dystopian future or if that's, <laughs> you know a utopian future. I, I mean that that I've often wondered when I've heard the discussion around Amazon and its and potential drone delivery how that would work. And this is the first description of a, a model that might work. And. Uh, when do you think that a model like that might be rolled out? Are we talking post 2030 or will it be this decade?
0: I can see them at least piloting it by the middle of this decade, you know, maybe in the, you know, the 2025, 26 timeframe. Um, yeah, I think, I think we'll definitely see them testing things like that, you know, maybe, maybe even sooner than that. Uh, but probably, you know, towards the middle of the decade.
1: Now another comment that Amazon made in its blog post um, really caught my eye. And let me read it for you. Uh, Amazon says that it hopes its EVANS create a sense of urgency in the industry to think big. Now, on the one hand, that's kind of an aspirational feel good. But I also saw it as a bit of a shot across the bow at some of its competitors. Uh, You know, catch me if you can.
0: Yeah, you know, it there's, a, there's certainly a bit of that, you know, but I think that they're they're also thinking not just about their competitors, but about the other companies that are Part of the the ecosystem, transportation ecosystem. So that's companies that are providing charging equipment. That's uh, utilities, uh, you know, grid operators. Because you know, if you're going to deploy a hundred, you know, for Amazon alone, you know, for one company alone, deploy a hundred thousand of these vehicles, and you know, most likely, you know, you'll see UPS and FedEx and everybody else, everyone with large fleets. I think moving in this direction over this this coming decade. Um, that's going to require uh, a lot of upgrades in a lot of areas. You, you need to have the um, power delivery capacity to these depots uh, from, from the grid or you know installing local uh, distributed energy resources, renewables uh, at those depots in order to have the capacity to charge those vehicles. Uh, you need the, the equipment, um, you know the charging the, the, the charging equipment uh, to handle these vehicles. Are you going to DC fast charge them, slow charge them? Are you perhaps going to shift to a battery swap module model? Uh, you know, ha- have vehicles that are designed for swappable batteries, where now. You can, you know, especially with a fleet, uh, you know, you can slow, you can charge those batteries slower because a fleet knows the, um, the history of those batteries are more like, it's going to be easier for them than for consumers to adopt that. Uh, and the, you know, if you've got a rack of batteries that are slow charging in a depot uh, during the course of a day while the vans are out delivering, uh, those could also be used as stationary storage for grid support. So there's a lot of interesting potential ways that the, the larger ecosystem and I think this is what Amazon's getting at with with trying to jumpstart the whole system is is thinking more broadly about the overall energy ecosystem
1: that's a very good point Sam because I've been doing a lot of interviews lately around the evolving electrical utility uh, model business model and particularly in the US there's a, a bit of angst amongst uh, in, in investor owned utilities in particular who are wondering how they're going to handle distributed energy, and are they going to go from a cost of service model, you know, the old Thomas Edison uh, model uh, that's still in use today by many utilities, and and towards kind of a platform, and how are they going to plug into these uh, into this infrastructure? How are they going to handle all this, you know, increased demand for uh, for electricity? Uh, so they've got to figure out generation. It, it's a really really complex problem. Uh, And uh, I can see why Amazon is challenging some of these other players, some of the the stakeholders in this ecosystem, because this is not a simple issue, a simple design problem. There's going to have to, I imagine it's probably a, a decade or two of design and trial and error to get it right.
0: Yeah, I mean, and a lot of this work is going on already. You know, they've been researching and, and trying. There have been a variety of pilot projects to look at how to do this and how to manage uh, the power delivery and, and distribution uh, as you go towards more uh, more electrification, uh, especially for these larger vehicles. I mean, they're obviously going to use uh, use more power than a smaller vehicle, um, but I think, I think it's, it, it is an issue that, that can be overcome, but there are technologies that need to be developed to coordinate everything, to manage uh, the charging um so you know this is this is an area that my company uh works a lot on with uh both with utilities and with fleet operators and and a lot of other companies is you know how to implement some of these sorts of things and it's 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 not a it's a challenge that can be overcome but uh, it will take a significant amount of investment over the coming years
1: yes uh, the experts that i've I've interviewed some of them have included your colleagues uh, on the utility side and I want to follow up just to, for a last question, Sam, on your comment about integrating the batteries from these uh, commercial vehicles into the grid because i've I've talked to some of the uh, experts who say you know doing it uh doing it with uh residential uh, you know privately owned vehicles uh, in people's garages be very difficult there's a lot of infrastructure and a lot a lot of technical issues but if you have a central location you know like a a delivery van depot uh, it strikes me that that might be in fact the solution for uh, jurisdictions like California that needs a lot of storage right away and uh, that's got to be part of the discussion already I would think.
0: Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. And, and this is a big part of why there's been a significantly growing interest uh, in moving towards electrification for fleet operators. I mean, it's one, it's one of many factors, but it's certainly a, a, an important one to consider because, as I mentioned earlier, you know, there's more predictability to the way these vehicles are being used, when they're being used, uh, how they're being utilized. And so, you know, that That's a part of trying to manage the system. If you if you have an idea how many vehicles are going to be parked at any one time, or how many, you know, again, if you were to you know use uh, a swappable battery architecture, you know, how many batteries are going to be available uh, at various times of the day, then you can plan around that. And that's that's the key to all this because you know the investments required uh, for utility, you know, for for the grid are substantial. I mean, there's there's a lot of money involved. And this is why, you know, for example, we have, uh, you know, demand charges for commercial users uh, for for power delivery because, you know, you have to plan ahead for what the the peak demand is going to be. So if it's anything that helps to make it more predictable will make it uh, more appealing to everybody within the ecosystem.
1: Well, Sam, thank you very much for this. I find this discussion fascinating because a lot of the attention around electrification of transportation centers on the personal vehicle, the light duty cars and trucks you know that's the sexy stuff where Elon Musk gets up on a on a stage and introduces the cyber truck that sort of thing. But I think the real uh, impact the effect is going to be on the commercial side, just like these delivery vans for Amazon. I think that's going to have the the Bigger effect on on business models, on uh, utility business models, on on uh, manufacturing. Uh, I think at the end of the day, we'll look back and and see that medium to heavy duty applications for commercial EVs were really the bread and butter, the thing that that, that changed uh, the industry and and basically uh, played a big role in the change of transportation. So with that. Thank you very much, sir. And we'll look forward to uh, to talking to you again in the near future.
0: Always good to talk to you.